Uh, as always, it's good to see y'all. Thank you for being here in person. And if you're watching online, uh, thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time watching, my name is Wade, and uh, we are glad to have you. Uh, I don't know how many of you were here on Sunday and got to see Josh's brother preach. He did a, a really good job. He had a, a really good message, and we're going to be going back and looking at some of the verses that he used on Sunday uh, out of Numbers chapter 13. And uh, he was talking about the children of Israel when they were about to enter into the promised land. And uh, if you don't know that history, the children of Israel, they were slaves in Egypt for like 400 years. And then uh, God sent Moses to deliver them out of there. And uh, when, when they got out of Egypt, they were in the desert, and they were fixing to go into the promised land. And uh, God sent forth 12 spies, or he told Moses to send out 12 spies and spy out the land and see you know, if it was everything that God said it was. And 10 of those spies came back and gave a false report and said that, you know, it is a land flowing with milk and honey, but, you know, there's giants there, there's fortified cities there, and if we try to go up against them, we're going to get destroyed. And uh, But two of the spies, Caleb and Joshua, they knew the Lord was with them, and God had already told them, I'm going to give you the land, I'm going to drive out these nations from before you, so 10 of the spies didn't believe God. And uh, one of the things in Matt, Matt's uh, sermon, that's Josh's brother, his name is Matt. Uh, one of the thing, main points in his sermon was who is in your we? Uh, Caleb and Joshua still had God in their we. They knew God was the one that was going to drive out the inhabitants of the land. But the other 10 spies when they started talking with the people and among themselves, they weren't including God in it. They were looking at the, at the giants and the fortified cities of them going in there and having to conquer them on their own strength. Kind of like what we talked about last week. You know, when my faith is in me, my strength is small. But if we look at those verses in Numbers 13 and verse 30, uh, this is where Caleb is saying, you know, we can still go in there and possess the land because God is with us. It says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. And he said, let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. So Caleb still had God in his we, and uh, he knew God was able to drive out the enemy. But like I said, those other ten spies had their focus on themselves. And uh, this is where he got his, his we thing Sunday, in Numbers 13, verse 31, the people were saying, we can't go up against them, you know, because they're stronger than we are. They weren't including God in their we. You know, they got their focus off of God and onto themselves. And as a result, that whole generation, except Caleb and Joshua and their families, died in the wilderness. They just wandered around for 40 years. They stayed there for 40 years long years until everybody in that generation was dead all because they got their focus off of God and they didn't put their faith in God and uh, like I said that's what we talked about last week if my faith is anything is in anything but God alone then it will end in failure you know I told you last week too that when I shift my focus from God to myself that I'm putting all the responsibility on my shoulders and when my faith goes from God to myself, I'm relying on my own strength. 
and not his. I'm relying on my own wisdom and not his. I'm relying on my own resources and not God's resources. And like we talked about last week, it don't take long when we do that to realize that I can't handle this on my own. Uh, one of our main verses last week was Proverbs 24:10. You know, it says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. And uh, that's one of the things we talked about last week, too. If we just keep failing under pressure, failing under pressure, failing under pressure, then that's a good indicator that I'm doing everything on my own strength, under my own power, and God is not in my we anymore. <clears throat> because when we start relying on our own strength, we start seeing ourselves as weak, and we start seeing ourselves as a failure. And that's exactly what the children of Israel were doing. You know, they were looking at the promised land, and then they got their focus off of God, and that all they could see is, I'm going to have to face that giant. I'm going to have to tear down this fortified city. And uh, they knew they couldn't do that because their we didn't include God anymore. And all they could see was themselves. Uh, Numbers 13 and verse 33 it says, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, and next to them we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. You know, that's all they could see themselves as, as grasshoppers next to those big giants. They didn't have that personal relationship with God like Moses had, and without a personal relationship, it's hard to have trust in someone. Without a personal relationship, we don't include God in our we. So... You know, when we don't include God in the things that we're facing in life, that's all we have to look at is ourselves. And we'll see ourselves as grasshoppers. And uh, we give up on situations that God could get us through really easily. Uh, you know, without a personal relationship with God, and I think this is where they were in that moment, he seems distant. You know, he don't even seem like a person. He becomes a thing instead of a person. You know, they heard about God their whole lives. They were the children of Israel. They just got through watching God deliver them from Egypt and do all these wonders, but they didn't have a personal relationship with him. So that's what we're talking about tonight. I shared this verse in small group last night at Celebrate Restoration. In Psalm 119 and verse 11, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, we have to know God's Word for ourselves. we got to have God's Word in us to guide us. And uh, all through tonight, I'll be using the children of Israel as an example. Uh, as long as they had somebody to tell them what to do, as long as they had somebody to give them instructions, they did okay. Uh, you know, they had to have somebody to stay on them and strongly encourage them to follow them. But as, as long as they had somebody leading them and pushing them, they would do all right. You know, I won't say they did good because they didn't. Uh, Moses had to practically beg them to do whatever he told them to do. And what they did do, they still complained about that. They complained the whole time. You know, I won't go through all the scriptures, but there were times Moses got so aggravated and frustrated with them. You know, he asked God to let him die. And, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty frustrating when you get there. But we've got to get God's Word in us so we don't have to have somebody staying on top of us all the time saying, this is what you have to do. 
you got to do it this way. you got to do it this way. If we learn God's Word for ourselves and we get it in us, then we will obey it on our own. We won't need somebody to stay on top of us and make us obey God. Once we get God's Word inside of us, we'll obey it on our own. And uh, I don't want you to take my just my word for the Scripture, so I'll share that with you about Moses. In Numbers 11, uh, the children of Israel are complaining about the manna that God had been providing for them. And if you don't know what manna is, when they were in the wilderness, God started making manna come down from heaven. And the Bible says it was just a small round thing. It tasted like honey, and he'd give them that for food. But uh, they started complaining about they missed the food that they had in Egypt and saying that they had it better in Egypt. So in Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 6, this is where Moses got so aggravated with them. It says, Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt, and the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. You know, they forgot all about the whips that they got whipped with and all the work that the Egyptians made them do and how they killed all their firstborn and just over and over and over they oppressed them for 400 years. But all they could think about was the things in their old life that would satisfy their flesh. Uh, and uh, if you go back to verse 4 there, Travis, how that got started, it says, Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And then the people of Israel also began to complain. You know, we're going to become like the people that we're running with. And if you're running with people that don't know the Lord, they're going to rub off on you if you're not grounded in your faith. If you don't have God's word in your heart and that relationship with Jesus that we're talking about, it's really easy to do. I mean, they turned a whole nation against the man that led them out of slavery uh, just because they started complaining. It was that foreign rabble they were traveling with that started them to complain. And we do that in our own lives. If we hang around the wrong people and listen to the wrong uh, opinions and voices, then we'll start thinking the same way they do. But they just kept on and on and on, and finally God brought that, or finally Moses brought that to God in Numbers 11, verses 14 and 15. Moses went to God and he says, I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. And uh, not just Moses got frustrated because the people were complaining even God himself would get tired of it and frustrated at him and uh, we can see that in Numbers 14 verses 11 and 12 and the Lord said to Moses how long will these people treat me with contempt will they never believe me even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them I will disown them and destroy them with a plague God said and then I will make you into a a nation greater and mightier than they are. They are. It just went back and forth. Moses would get frustrated and God would calm him down. Then God would get angry and Moses would have to plead with God, you know, not to destroy these people. Uh, you know, God had never failed them before, ever. 
And they just kept saying, you brought us out here to die. You're trying to kill us. And they kept saying how God failed them and failed them. But God had never failed them. He had never failed Moses. But they didn't have a personal relationship with him. So they didn't trust him. They didn't believe him. Moses even, uh, God came down on Mount Sinai to talk to all the people. And Moses gathered them up there. And when God spoke, they ran away from him and said, we don't want God to talk to us anymore. We want you to talk to us. You go talk to God, then you come and talk to us. So it wasn't that God had failed them. They just failed to have a personal relationship with him. And, uh, you know, when we don't have that relationship with God and we're relying on the leaders of the church to tell us what God has said, you know, sometimes we see the, the leaders of the church in a way that we shouldn't see them. You know, they didn't see God. They didn't have that relationship with him. And all they could see was Moses and Aaron telling them what to do. And, uh, you know, if we don't have that personal relationship with God, with Jesus, not only are we going to see ourselves as small, eventually, just like the children of Israel did, we won't just say, I can't. We'll start saying, I won't. Uh, we'll start resenting the leadership that's telling us what to do because we won't talk to God ourselves. And uh, eventually, if I don't have Jesus in my heart and believe in my heart that God loves me and everything that he does is for my good, I'll start seeing him and his servants as my enemies instead of my Savior and my Lord. And sadly, what happens when we start doing that, we'll do the same thing the children of Israel did in Numbers 13, verse 32. We'll start spreading a false report. We'll start spreading a bad report. We'll start saying things that aren't true. Uh, you know, churches most times don't get a bad report because the church is bad. I mean, there are uh, there are instances where the churches are bad. But uh, most of the time, churches don't get a bad report because the church is bad. They get a bad report because there are people in it who are not surrendered to the Lord that are not willing to submit to the Lord or his leadership. And uh, so when things don't go their way, we do just exactly what the children of Israel did. We get frustrated because things are not going my way, and we start spreading a bad report. You know, I know I keep saying you've got to know God's word for yourself. Uh, if you don't know God's word and somebody gives you good godly advice, you're not going to see it as good godly advice. You're going to see it as an attack on your on your character. You're going to see it as an attack on yourself. Uh, you know, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, chances are that you're going to see everybody that has surrendered their life to him as self-righteous because they'll try to give you godly advice, and like I just said, you you won't take it as godly advice. You'll take it as an attack on yourself. And uh, if we're not surrendered to him, we'll start seeing the people that are as self-righteous even when they're not. And uh, that's exactly what the children of Israel are doing there. They grew to hate Moses and Aaron because they didn't like their authority. And it didn't have anything to do with God. And that was what the problem was. They separated themselves from God. And they started to hate Moses and Aaron because they were the ones telling them what to do. They were the ones that God put in authority over them. And uh, 
they weren't even thinking about God. They were just thinking about Moses and Aaron. Uh, Numbers 20, verses 4 and 5. This is proof of they, don't, they had cut God completely out of the picture. It says, and they're talking to Moses when they said this. It says, why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die, along with all of our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. And, uh, you know, why did you make us leave Egypt? This place has nothing. But they keep saying, why did you, you, you? They were talking to Moses and Aaron. They weren't even talking to God. They said, there's nothing here that even resembles my old sinful lifestyle, and I resent you for taking that away from me. That's exactly what they're telling Moses. And if we aren't surrendered to the Lord, we're not going to get our joy from him. We're not going to get our comfort from him. And we're still looking to get it from our old ways. We're still looking to get our joy from the places we've always gotten it. We're still looking to get our comfort from the things we've always found comfort in because we don't have a relationship with Jesus. Those are the only ways we know to get those things. <clears throat> so when we give all of that stuff up without replacing it with Jesus, we're just left empty, just like the children of Israel here. And that makes us angry and bitter because without the Lord, all we have is a longing for the things that we had before. You know, if we don't let Jesus take his rightful place and fill that God-shaped hole that is inside of every one of us, if we just come to church and give up our old life without asking Jesus to come into our life, it's only a matter of time until we get frustrated, just like they did, and we'll start filling that hole ourselves, or trying to fill that hole with the same things that we had in it before, that didn't work before. But we'll just keep going back and trying those things again and again and again. You know, when we come to church and we don't have Jesus in our hearts, we're just like the children of Israel. And uh, you know, I know, I have been there. I've done that myself. We'll have a Moses or Aaron in our life that's encouraging us, somebody that's motivating us to do the right things, but because I haven't surrendered my will to Jesus, it don't work out. And then I blame the person that's been trying to help me. And it wasn't that person's fault at all. It was because I was just seeking them to help me fix all my problems instead of seeking God for myself. And uh, that's why I give you the opportunity at the end of every message to ask Jesus to come into your heart. If you haven't done that yet, then you still have your sin nature, and you don't have the Holy Spirit. And none of this stuff is going to make sense to you. You're only going to get frustrated and walk away worse than when you came. Our whole message last week was my faith. You know, do you have your own faith? I tell you all the time, only you and God know the answer to that. That's not something I can answer for you. But you know in your heart whether you've surrendered to Christ or not, and God knows. Uh, but if the answer is no, or I don't know, then it's an easy, easy thing to fix. You know, right now, right here, right where you're sitting, or right where you're watching from, if you're watching online, you can ask Jesus to come into your heart and become the Lord of your life and surrender your will to his and he will do that in an instant. That's, it don't take 
anytime. As soon as you ask him that and mean it in your heart and surrender your will to his, he moves right in. And all those old cravings and all those old mindsets and all those old habits are not going to go away as long as you have your sin nature. They just won't. I mean, without Jesus, those things are impossible to get rid of. you got to bring that to God and receive your new nature and God's will. And God will, not you, replace those old cravings and mindsets and habits while you're seeking him. And uh, let his word renew your mind. I know I sound like a broken record up here, but we have to have God's word in us. Uh, that's what renews our mind. The more we learn God's word, the more we learn the truth of God, that's how we replace old habits. That's how we replace old coping mechanisms. That's how we replace those cravings. We'll start craving new things instead of the old things. We'll have a different mindset about things than we had before. Uh, you know, if you have a problem reading, there are millions of ways to listen to God's Word. You know, Josh talks all the time about the Version Bible app, but there's different, you know, there's millions of different apps. There's podcasts, there's videos you can watch. Uh, there's just all different kinds of ways that we can learn the Word of God and get it in us and help that to change us from the inside out. You know, changing our behavior, that don't really help us. But when we change what's in our heart, then we start changing from the inside out. And that's change that lasts. That's real change. But until we get God's Word in us and uh, surrender ourselves to Christ, we'll never understand any of that stuff. I like it in Second Corinthians. Paul is talking about the children of Israel here, uh, the same people we've been talking about. But this is in the New Testament. And Paul's using them for an example for us there. He's saying that we are just like them. He's saying that we're not, we not only will not, we cannot understand the truth without Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, it says, but, and he's talking about the children of Israel here. He says, but the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, and he's talking about us here, even when we read the, the Bible without Jesus, our hearts are covered with that veil and we can't understand. Without Jesus, Satan has us blinded. In 2 Corinthians 4, and verse 4, that's what it says. It says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You know, I don't just keep telling you that without Jesus, you won't understand this stuff, and you're only going to get frustrated. God's Word is telling us that. Not only that we will not, we cannot understand uh, God's Word without the Holy Spirit. If we're trying to understand it and still have our sin nature, it don't work that way. But when we come to Christ and we surrender to Him, the Holy Spirit that God places in us gives us understanding of His Word. Uh, Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 through 18, and this is what I've been trying to tell you all night, up to this point 
But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You're no longer blinded. God takes the veil from before your eyes, and you can see clearly what God's word means. For the Lord, Jesus Christ, is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. <clears throat> so all of us who have had that veil removed, those of us that have surrendered our lives to Christ, those of us who have been saved, we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him, changes us from the inside out, like we've been talking about, and we are changed into His glorious image. So Paul is saying the freedom that we're looking for, that peace that we're trying to find, that we can only find that in Jesus Christ. Without Him, we can't understand it, and we can't obtain it. Uh, Paul also says, in Galatians 5, verse 17, the sinful nature that I've been talking about that we still have if you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. As long as we're controlled by our sin nature, we are going to do the opposite of what God wants us to do. Uh, if we want the opposite of what our sin nature wants us to do, <coughs> we have to be surrendered to Jesus. We've got to get rid of our sin nature. And there's only one way to do that. We've got to come to Jesus and give up our will and trade it in for his will. It's not that we're bad people. It's not that you're so bad you can't be saved or anything like that. Every one of us in here was born with the sin nature, and we can't understand God while we have it. Once we come to Jesus and surrender our life to him, we get a new nature, and then we can understand God. So don't think there's anything wrong with you. Everybody has to do that. There's nobody on earth exempt from that. Uh, one of my devotions this week I wanted to share with you, and it's talking about sin and myself. You know, we talk about I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. That don't mean you're sin. We are not sin. Uh, like I said, one of my devotions is on Romans 7, and it's talk, talking about sin living in you. But that don't mean you are sin. We have to separate those two things. Uh, if Jesus Christ destroyed sin on the cross, which he did when he died for our sins, and we were sin, then we wouldn't exist. We wouldn't be here. Uh, so we are not sin, but we can have sin living inside of us. Uh, Romans 7, verse 20, it says, But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. You know, Paul's saying it's a sin living in me. You know, we can all have sin living in us, but through Jesus Christ, when we bring ourselves to him and surrender our lives to him, we can kick it out. It don't, we don't have to let it live there anymore. Uh, Romans 7, verse 24, and I'm going to read through Romans 8, and verse 2. And this is Paul talking about himself. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life and that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sin nature, I'm a slave to sin. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So when we come to Christ, even though sin is living in us, God kicks that out, gets rid of your old nature, and moves in the Holy Spirit, his divine nature. And that verse right there says, the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power that that's had over your life that leads to death. The Holy Spirit leads you to life, not death. Uh, will you go on to verses 3 and 4, Travis? <clears throat> this explains it a little, a little better. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sin nature. Like I said before, there's nothing wrong with you. We're all born with a sin nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent Jesus, his own son, in a body like the bodies we have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. We can't earn our way out of having a sin nature. We can't obey our way out of having a sin nature. The only thing that will remove it is Jesus Christ himself. And verse 4 says, He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sin nature, but instead follow the Spirit. But that's a choice we all make. You know, like I keep saying, we're born with a sin nature, but we don't have to keep it. We've got a sin nature living inside of us, but we can kick it out. The only thing we got to do is put our faith in Jesus Christ and ask him to come into our heart and swap natures with him. And that gets rid of the sin nature. You know, I have to have my own faith in God. I've got to have my own personal relationship with Jesus Christ before I'll ever experience God moving in my own life. And too many people want to come to church and start experiencing God moving in their life without surrendering their life to Christ. You won't experience God moving in your life as long as you have that sin nature. Uh, you know, you can learn a lot about God's Word here at Grace, right here at the church. Pastor Josh and other people, they do a, an amazing job of preaching God's Word and teaching us and teaching His Word. Uh, we've got discipleship programs that help you grow in the Lord. But if your heart is not surrendered to the Lord, you're not going to get anything out of it. You're not going to experience the joy of the Lord that you hear people talking about. In the end, you'll only wind up frustrated, like I keep saying. And uh, I keep saying it on purpose because I want you to get it. You know, if you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, it's going to end the same way. You've got to have your own faith, your own relationship. We see it over and over with the children of Israel. You know, they, they'd have a leader that would shake them up like Moses did, and he'd encourage them and lead them, and they'd follow God as long as somebody kept after them or uh, have the appearance of following God anyway. But as soon as that leader was gone, they went right back to their old ways. Uh, they'd follow Moses, and as soon as Moses was gone, they would stop following God, and they'd go back to their old ways. They'd follow Joshua until Joshua was gone, and then they would stop following God, and they'd 
go astray. They'd go serving other gods, go back to their old ways. You know, they were never following the Lord. They were just taking orders from their leaders without any faith of their own. They never developed a relationship with God. And without their leaders and no relationship with God, you know, the only thing they had to turn to was false gods. Like I said, we've got great leaders here at Grace, and they will lead you in the right direction, but they can't go home with you. They can't go to work with you, and they can't live your life for you. You've got to have your own faith. You've got to have your own relationship with Jesus that you can take home with you, and you can set up godly standards in your own home. You've got to have your own faith in Jesus that you can take to work with you and set up boundaries at work. Uh, you know, you have to have inside your own heart the Holy Spirit to guide you when nobody else is around to tell you what to do. We need the Holy Spirit. You know, we were talking about doing the next right thing last night at uh, Celebrate Restoration. We're not going to know what the next right thing is without the Holy Spirit. Without being surrendered to Christ, we don't know what the next right thing is. All I have is my opinions and the opinions of others. But when I do have that relationship with Jesus, when I do have God's Word to lead me and guide me, then I don't have to wonder which way to go. God's Word will point me. The Holy Spirit will point me in the direction I need to go. Uh, I want to share a couple of verses with you from the book of Judges, chapter 2. And this is a good illustration of what uh, not only went on back then with the children of Israel, but I think is still going on today. And this is talking about following the leader, just like we've been talking about. Without a leader, if that's what your faith is in, is just a leader and not a personal relationship with Christ, then it's not going to last. But in Judges chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, it says, Whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, this is after Moses, this is after Joshua, uh, the people of Israel would just continue to sin and get themselves in trouble, then they would cry out to the Lord and repent, and uh, God started sending them judges to get them out of their trouble. And that's what these two verses are talking about. In Judges 2, 18 and 19, it says, Whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, he was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people, who were burdened by oppression and suffering. But when the judge died, when they lost their leader, the people returned to their corrupt ways, behaving worse than those who had lived before them. They went after other gods, serving and worshiping them, and they refused to give up their evil practices and their stubborn ways. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of leaders who will help you, and there's leaders who will come to your rescue, you know, when you need help. I'm not saying don't go to people when you need help. And I'm not saying uh, don't ask your leaders for help. Those are things we should do. You know, there's people who do that here at the church every day. That's what they do. But without surrendering your life to Jesus, without giving up your evil practices and your stubborn ways, then sooner or later, you're just going to have to be rescued again. And uh, when we do that, we'll hop from leader to leader and getting pulled out of hole after hole after hole. 
And every time we bought, we fall back in that hole, we're going to blame the leader. And then we won't use that one again. We'll go to the next leader when we get in the hole. And then to the next one. And then to the next one. And just like the people of Israel did with the judges, the only time they cried out to God is when they got themselves in so much trouble, they realized they needed God. So God would send somebody to help them. But as soon as the leader was gone, they went right back because they refused to give up their evil practices and their stubborn ways. And uh, when we get in a cycle like that, will you bring up Numbers 13, 32 again, Travis? When we get in that cycle like that, and we're saying that the leaders have failed us, the leaders have failed us, the leaders have failed us, then that's when we will start going around and we'll spread that bad report, just like the children of Israel did. But when you have your own faith, like we keep talking about, and your own relationship with Jesus, then you'll have your very own spiritual four-wheel drive, so to speak. And you can pull yourself out of the hole. When I get myself into a mess, and, uh, you know, my life's been changing a lot here lately. But I don't, you know, I'm not calling on my leaders to pull me out of the hole. I'm going to God's Word and saying, what do I need to do in this? And God will give you instruction. You know, God, God's Word will help you get out of your hole. I'm not saying don't ask people for help. I still ask people for help all the time. But God's Word will help you and guide you and lead you and help you get out of the hole. And God's Word will help you help others out of their holes. And you won't be on repeat anymore doing the same things over and over and over. Uh, Pastor Josh filled in last night for DJ at Celebrate Restoration and uh, he had, he brought a good message out of the book of Judges, and one of the things he talked about in that message is if we've been on repeat and we kept doing the same things over and over like we've been talking about, then we've got to change something. You know, we've got to shake it up and do something different. We can't be expecting different results doing the same things over and over. But the main point I'm trying to make tonight is if you're still trying to restore or recover your life with a sin nature, it'll never work. You've got to have the Holy Spirit, and you've got to have God in your life. You've got to have that relationship with Him. Uh, if what I've been talking about describes you, and you're wondering in your heart, you know, have I just been following the leader, or am I really following God? You know, a lot of people, I do believe, are honest in the way that they're seeking God, I don't think they know they're just following the leader. I think they believe they are following God. But, uh, you know, you've got to do a self-examination. Am I just following a church leader? Am I following somebody in my faith? Or am I following God in my faith? Because without that relationship with God, eventually the leader's going to let you down. I'm going to let you down. Everybody will let you down if they're not God himself, you know. So ask yourself, am I following a leader or am I following God? Do I have my own faith or am I just riding along on somebody else's faith and following their instructions? You know, if that's you, like I said a while ago, you can change that right here, right now where you sit. You can change it right there where you are watching online. All you got to do is say something like this right here. And I've had to do this myself and I know it works. Just say, Lord Jesus, I haven't 
made you Lord of my life. I have not surrendered my life to you, and I've just been relying on the faith of others to get me by and to get me out of my troubles when I need them. <coughs> and today, I want to give you my life and my will, and I want you to be my Lord, my own personal Lord, my own personal Savior. I want my own faith to be with me wherever I go. So today, God, I surrender my heart to you, and I ask you to come into my heart and replace my sin nature <coughs> with your Holy Spirit. That's all it takes. I mean, it, it really is that simple. All we got to do is bring our sin nature to God and say, I don't want this anymore. I want your Holy Spirit, and I surrender my will to yours. And when you do that, it really is that simple. God will meet you right there, and uh, he will save you right there. So if you've never truly surrendered your life to Christ, I invite you to do that tonight. And uh, I'll give you some scripture on how to do that. In Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So if you made that decision tonight, or if you've come to the realization that I think I have just been following a leader and I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, uh, and you've done that tonight, tell God that. Say, today I want you as my Lord. I want to swap my sin nature for your Holy Spirit Come into my heart and save me. And if today you've done that, then the Bible says to openly declare that. Tell somebody that you've done that today. And the Bible says if you've done that, then you are saved. And uh, don't talk yourself out of it and say, I know myself. I've been too bad my whole life. God don't want me. God does want you. Uh, Romans ten thirteen says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And the uh, like I've been saying all night, nobody here is uh, exempt from that. We're all born with a sin nature. God knows we're all born sinners. That's why he sent Jesus to die and be the perfect sacrifice that we couldn't pay. In Romans 5, 8, it says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. So if somebody's telling you you've got to straighten up and go to church, that's backwards. you got to come to church and let God straighten you up. We can't do that on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the guidance from other believers. We need all the help we can get. <laughs> so if you have sin living with you, like we just read in Romans 7 a while ago, you can kick it out. And all it takes is surrendering your life to Jesus Christ and He's the one that does the kicking. He'll make the old sin nature get out, and he'll put his divine nature in you, and uh, your life will start changing right there. But that's my message for tonight. I hope that helps somebody, and I hope it clarifies the difference between having relationships with people in church and having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ himself. We've got to have that on our own. We've got to have our own relationship with God. We can't put our faith in other people I and mean, we need other people in, in our lives we need leaders we need everybody God puts in our path but our faith has to be in God alone 
but uh, I really hope that helps somebody. Uh, I know it's helped me a lot this week. I've been focusing on my relationship with Christ, and, uh, uh, you know, I've seen some areas in my life where I was putting more faith in people in, cert in certain areas than I was in God, and I think all of us do that sometimes. But uh, take a good look at your faith this week and uh, make sure your faith is in Jesus. But uh, let me pray for us, and we will be dismissed. Thank you all again for coming out. It's really good to see you all. And thank you for tuning in if you're watching online. <clears throat> Let me pray for us, and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for this message you've given us. And Lord, we thank you for the example of the children of Israel. I'm not saying I'm glad they did, did what they did, Lord, but uh, it helps us tremendously to be able to look at your word and the things that were recorded about them. And it's easy to recognize those things in our own lives, God. And I pray that you help us to, to be honest with ourselves when we read these stories about them and uh, when we do recognize the things that they were doing in our own lives. I pray, Lord, that you give us all the courage to bring them to you, uh, to repent of those things, and to get our relationship with you where it needs to be. Father, thank you for speaking to us through your word. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us. And thank you, Lord, that you did that while we were sinners and you didn't, you didn't make us get it right before we came to you. Thank you, Lord, for doing everything for us. And it's in Jesus Christ's holy name I do pray. Amen.